In the mid-1980s, an idiot with a product to sell became one of the most beloved children's entertainers in America. We are the Deep Geeks, and thank God we only do this once a week. the Deep Geeks. I'm Mark. I'm Avery. And this is the show where two dorks go through the Deke Entertainment back catalogue and suffer. This week we're talking about a live action series, which is unusual for us because usually we talk about badly animated cartoons. And we're talking about Haven, it's Ernest. So, um, Avery, what from your childhood do you remember about the Jim Varney character, Ernest. You mean the character that was almost exclusively only known in America? That's not true. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I don't know anything about releases. Oh, okay, well, still, like, that's kind of where they know him. Like, even if it was theatrically released here, we don't fucking know who Ernest is. Wasn't quite the cultural tour de force that he always seems to be on... Uh... It's almost as if he didn't show up on adverts here. That's like true. He did in America. Uh, I do remember seeing him on television. Okay. I remember seeing a uh, TV uh, broadcast of uh, Ernest Scared Stupid once. Mm-hmm. It wasn't very good. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the general feel I heard online for most movies. Um, he's certainly a broad children's comedian. That's what it comes down to. Lots of slapstick. Lots of... It's just the slapstick, isn't it? There's nothing else to it. It's kind of slapstick and wacky faces. And ha-ha, an idiot. And I guess there's kind of attempted jokes in there as well? I guess. I mean, if I had to sum up this show in a single phrase, it would probably be attempted. Yeah. I also joke. I also, of course, know Ernest uh, through vague cultural osmosis from Simpsons jokes. But of course, there were there were a series of fake um, Ernest movie titles in an episode of The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. I didn't particularly understand the joke, but they were funny titles. Okay. Now I understand the joke more. Okay. Are you a better off for it? Or no? Oh, okay. No. Uh, I guess we should probably look at the program itself. Okay. In 1980, Nashville-based advertising agent John Cherry III came up with a great idea for producing a large number of engaging local television adverts very quickly. Rather than come up with a new idea for each ad, he created Ernest P. Worrell, an over-enthusiastic neighbour character played by Jim Varney, who would push brands and products onto his unwitting neighbour Vern, through whose eyes the audience would see. The concept was a huge success, and so Ernest-based adverts started to be franchised across North America, with Jim Varney sometimes producing 
more than two dozen advertisements in a single day. The popularity of the Ernest character led to a number of spin-off movies, starting with the director video, Know What I Mean, Hey Vern, It's My Family Album, followed by Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloombean, and Ernest Goes to Camp. These would soon be followed in 1988 by Hey Vern, It's Ernest, a sketch show themed around the character, which was produced by M Shell Producers and Dick Entertainment. The show lasted for 13 episodes, and despite two daytime Emmys and a letter-writing campaign, it was cancelled after the first season. Ernest would go on to star in eight more movies before Jim Varney's death in 2000. A revival for the franchise, titled Son of Ernest, was teased in 2012, but has since gone dark. Right. So that's oh, that. Oh boy, then. oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. This one is something. You might be able to tell from our candour that we may not have enjoyed this much. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact is that this is a children's sketch show made with the kind of level of ability you would expect from an advertising agency. Sort of, I guess. There's definitely adverts that are funnier than this. That's true, that's (laughs) true. But it's a whole load of characters and repeated jokes, very few of which actually read as jokes, and even fewer of which actually are funny. We watched four episodes. How many times do did you laugh during that uh, that ninety minute, uh, eighty minutes that we won't get back? Probably about maybe three, four times. Yeah, I think I laughed once, yeah. and it was at uh, a gecko playing the piano. It was an iguana. An iguana, sorry, an iguana playing the piano. Hmm. Here's the thing: is this one's weird. It's it's interesting in my view because I feel like if I was within the right age demographic for this show, say like around eight or nine, I would love the shit out of this show. I would be all over this. Okay. I would adore this show because it totally reminds me of the sort of crap that I used to watch as a kid. Ah. It's got that kind of feel. It feel, felt to me... The one thing that just kind of rang with me was it kind of felt like a less subtle and not as well done version of the CBBC show Stupid, which uh, follows basically the exploits of this basically demigod called King Stupid, who just preyed on unsuspecting innocent people and made them do stupid stuff. So, for example, like um prime example would be uh, something that went viral like a year ago or something over a little boy uh, saying he had a devil finger and when like the little trigger on King Stupid's console was pulled he would just go about just prodding people a lot by and just shouting devil finger um, and yeah that was something I'm quite fond of that show but like I can't like seriously say that I would enjoy it now <laughs> at all um, it would just be more annoying yeah. than anything else and it would just be the only nostalgia would be the thing that would carry me towards, like, vaguely enjoying it. I'm just amused that they got away with calling a character King Stupid on children's television. You know, when um, Radio 4 had a programme called King Stupid, it was they were accused of it being uh, short for fucking stupid, and the show was renamed after a year. But no, there's nothing quite as um, subversive, let us say, in Haven It's Earnest. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I will say as um, much as I probably wouldn't enjoy watching Lex Luthor Stupid for the first time today, uh, the humour in it is definitely a lot better well written than it is in Haver and It's Ernest. Yeah. Um, I mean, these um, children's sketch comedy shows aren't uncommon, but this one is not a great example of them, is it? The problem is, is half of the skits and sketches are the exact same joke every single episode. Well, I mean, you can do that with a sketch show. Just look at The Fast Show, for example. That was a BBC uh, sketch show which was just the running jokes. I mean, you can do that, but the joke has to be funny. The characters have to be interesting. And none of these characters are funny or interesting. Apart from maybe the dude whose roommate is the iguana. I wasn't sure what was going on with that, but the iguana was fun. Well, I mean, it was just another, like, long random skit. Yeah, Much yeah. the same with all the others. Shall we go through them all? Because have... this is the content yeah. that there uh, actually is to talk about. Because obviously we can't go in great details of, from episode to episode. They do have a through line, but nothing tying them together narratively enough. No, it's. I think the only thing that's tying them together is that they are implied to all live within the same neighbourhood as each other. Yes. All of the characters and sketches and all of that. So. And there's a thematic link to a lot of the sketches. Well, yeah. The, the Except episode... when there isn't. That's a good point. Well, I mean, it's like each episode title will be like, oh, hey, Vern, it's uh, movies or whatever. And then like most of the skits will be about movies. And yeah, yeah, sort of with um, with Ernest uh, filming his own movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so the recurring sketches and characters, uh, going off this extensive list that someone has kindly written up on Wikipedia, because this show <laughs> has its fans... There's a lot of people who like this show out there. Uh, so we have um, Lonnie Don's School of Hollywood Sound Effects. This one doesn't link to anything. This is literally just a guy. We see his um, his television intro and then he says, Today I'm going to show you how to do this effect from this movie I made years ago called... X. Uh, no, the X no. is coming. The X is coming. Yeah. Uh, and then he makes a raspberry noise with the palm of his hand. Yep. That's literally the entire joke, every single time. Yeah. It's not even remotely changed ever. Um, there's the haircut skit where Ernest walks into uh, the local barber shop run by a character called Earl, and every single time Ernest asks Earl to make him look like a Wall Street tycoon, and every single time Earl the barber misunderstands him and ends up uh, just basically making him look like something that sounds similar to those three words. Well, no, it's so, a vague rhyme. Yeah, so baby baboon, a clock set on noon, large feet in a cartoon. It's, um, I appreciate that they talk about the plot of the episode beforehand. I don't appreciate that they use exactly the same uh, cutting uh, sequence every time. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, it has this fun, manic uh, sequence for the haircut where with giant scissors and everything played in uh, super speed but because there's no they don't throw anything any different each time it's the exact same thing there's nothing to look out for so you're just given kind of 30 seconds of waiting around and uh, after every hairstyle is done he looks all shocked as it's like oh my god what have you done to my hair thinks about it for a minute and then just says it could work and then that's the end of the skit 
Every single time. It's. I mean, it's not the worst skit on here. No, there's definitely worse ones. There's an actual joke. I mean, I would say Lonnie Don is worse than the haircut sequence. Yeah, but both of these have identifiable jokes, at the very least. <laughs> Identical jokes, more like. Uh, that's true. <sighs> uh, Sergeant Glory, who exists for about 30 seconds each, basically Varney playing as a military sergeant, teaching a class of kids about, I guess, whatever the uh, theme of that episode is, and always gives them two rules to remember. Second of which is almost always obey all rules. I don't see the joke in this one. No, I don't either. I don't see why... There's a bit of a physical gag going on with whenever he hits the board, all of the uh, the people in the class um, jump out of their seats. Mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, it says here, the character originated in an ad for Purity Milk a short while before the character of Ernest was created. It doesn't work as a sketch. No. They're just It just lacks any kind of... Humour. Uh, My Father the Clown, which is a uh, kind of family sitcom spoof. This is actually one of the strongest ones. Yeah, I quite like this one. There are multiple jokes in each skit, mm. which is good. And it almost pretty much always... It's basically your standard sitcom setup, except for... Uh, you've got the, you've got the husband, you've got the wife, and you've got the two kids, except one of the kids and the husband are clowns, and the other two are just regular human people. And it pretty much always, always ends with the two regular people just being completely sick of their shit. Yeah, covered in pie good. or seltzer. Yeah. Uh, this one, I uh, one of the jokes I actually appreciated was in this one. Mm. Um, in one of the episodes, uh, the clown son says, I want to be the first clown president of the United States, to which the father says, I'm afraid you've been beaten to that one. <laughs> I miss that. That's this would be good under joke. the Reagan administration. That's a good joke. Yeah, that's pretty well done. That's a sneaky one. That yeah, I I very much appreciated the writing there, but um, I I that could have been something with stronger writing. I mean, to be honest, that could have probably been its own thing in itself. Yeah, <laughs> I could easily see a spin-off show based on that. Yes, Little Clowns of Happy Town. Oh uh, shit. Um, uh, <laughs> Okay, um, Existed the Magician, who's just a really shit magician, and um, basically fails the jokes. Basically, think Tommy Cooper, except he doesn't even try to make any kind of humour out of the situation of the trick going wrong. Yeah, here's the problem with the, ah, it's a magician who can't do his tricks. You're going to get compared to Tommy Cooper. If you don't know Tommy Cooper, go look up some Tommy Cooper, because he was one of the greatest comedians of the 20th century. His entire shtick was being a failed magician, but the way he was able to present his failures and then sudden unexpected successes and so on were was so perfect, in fact, that when he suddenly died on stage, everyone assumed it was part of the act. Yeah. That's how good Tommy Cooper was. Um, there's Matt Finish, who is a photographer man. And he, again, he's also there for like 30 seconds. He says some stuff quickly and then he fucks off. He generally talks too quickly. I can't understand a word he says. I don't see the jokes in this. Yeah. It's the 30 second ones that are only there for like a short amount of time. Yeah, but I mean, you can work. at least get a gag in yeah. 30 seconds. I mean, they they get a gag in the um, the the sound effects guy one. It's the same gag every time, and it's not good. 
but you just can't identify what the gag is supposed to be in the photographer one. Miss Simon Simmons's Mind Your Manners, which is um, this lady just teaching you etiquette, I guess. Yeah. Again, there's not really many jokes going on there. Actually, there was some sound advice in this. Yeah. It's, just kind of, it's basically <laughs> just a don't be an arsehole. Yeah, kind of. in the cinema, leave a half an inch of, uh, of drink in the bottom of your drink, otherwise you end up with... Gross slipping noses. Gross slipping noses. Yeah. yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> um, we've got the Ernest Tong sketch, where Ernest opens his mouth and puts his face towards the camera, and then suddenly we see inside his mouth and Ernest's tongue with some dude's face in it. Yeah, yeah. Strange. One of the better sketches, though. Yeah, it's... Very interesting, that one is. It's a good bit of surrealism. Yeah. And they give it some time to uh, to deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was at that point that it made the entire show feel less like a sketch show and more like we're just viewing Vern's personal nightmare that he is <laughs> living in from a day-to-day basis that Ernest has trapped him within. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does have this very dreamlike state to it, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, there is Mac and George, which is uh, just the dude called Mac and George, his roommate, which is the iguana that can do many things a person can do. Never quite sure what the joke is here. But it's still pretty amusing because iguana. Well, it's a live iguana. It's not a puppet. Yeah. It's they're just doing amusing effects with an iguana. For example, there's one in which uh, the iguana is supposedly roller skating around the sofa, and you see the iguana being held yeah. above just in, <laughs> in air so that the camera can see it and just sliding past. Wee. It's, it's very happy iguana. Yeah. This, this iguana had no problem with being part of this ridiculous sketch. Iguanas are nice. Yeah. I like iguanas. Uh, there's Chuck and Bobby, where Chuck and his brother Bobby get themselves into various adventures. Where I don't. Where are the jokes in this one? I think one of them I had an obvious joke. I mean, there was the the ghost train. The ghost train one. one. Yeah, that was the obvious one. That one had jokes because you had Chuck who was going fucking nuts and screaming while Bobby was just sitting there reading a book throughout yeah, the entire thing. Yeah, that had a good simple setup, and that joke works for yeah. the. For the given value of a children's sitcom, it's not a sitcom, um, a children's sketch show. Hmm. But most of them just don't seem to have jokes, they're just talking. I mean, whether the absurdity of each situation is supposed to be the joke, I don't know, but... It's possible? I mean, it's kind of like comedic monologues in a sense sometimes. Right, but... Jim Varney knows what a comedic monologue is. Yeah. John Cherry knows what a comedic monologue it is because the Jim Varney character does them. That's how things are sold with Ernest. Why do these characters not have amusing monologues? Is it that they were expecting them to be funny but the actors aren't as good at, as Jim Varney at the humour to it? Who knows? Who knows? It's It's an odd one. Uh, let's see. Willie the Robot, a homemade robot with a bucket head and a 70s have-a-nice-day smiley face. This character originally appeared in the aforementioned Dr. Octo and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam. Okay. Um, yeah. 
it's just kind of a robot character that's there. He's a robot. Uh, doesn't really do anything. No. He's just kind of there. Probably the most upsetting one next, <laughs> uh, Baby Ernest. Yes, I I like how they do this one. I I, I semi appreciate the jokes involved. I like how disturbing it is when you put a grown man's face on a baby and then present that to television. Yeah. This is Ernest as a baby talking about a situation involving his parents. This is the nightmarish bit. Yeah. I mean, it's... Basically, it's kind of like a suit. It's, it's a hole in a baby cot that uh, Jim Varney's pushing his face through. With a doll underneath. Yeah. With the arms of the doll being uh, puppeted. Yeah. It's not a pleasant sight. <laughs> it's... I mean, I'm sure we will use it for the uh, for the post somewhere. Probably. <sighs> but, uh, yes, I will look forward to turning that into a gif. Oh boy. Um, there's also uh, Dust Bunny, who's more of a character that appears. Yeah, Dust Bunny's an interesting one. Oh. Sort of pseudo mascot character in a sense. Well, basically, Dust Bunny is there to advance the plot of the episode, which, considering how little plot there is and how little the they're serviced, it's nice that someone is there to do that. Mm-hmm. And then there's just a load of sneezing, because apparently that's funny. I mean, you say plot of the episode. I think really the only one that had a proper plot to speak of when we were, were watching it was the space one. Well, the first one, the space one. Uh, Ernest must save the world from a thing that fell out out of the sky into which his he believes house. to be a thing from a old fifties horror movie. Because by the way, we didn't mention this. This show has a bizarre usage, like over usage perhaps, of public domain films. I liked that. I mean I like it too, but it's strange and I don't I would see like it why. if they had a better sense of humor about them. Yeah. Because the weird cuts of old Flash Gordon serials with supposedly funny um dubbing over them just were completely unfunny. To be honest, I'd probably have just preferred to watch the Flash Gordon serials. Yeah, probably. Um, Bit of Buster Crab. And finally, the only one really relevant here, left off, is Dr. Otto, the main character from Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloombeam. There's one that you've missed, and that is Ernest's aunt. Uh, No, because this is a skit, not characters list. Ah, well, the only sound is a skit. And I guess, but I mean, she's not on here. <sighs> she's well. That pretty much sums up everything about her, doesn't it? Yeah, it's Auntie Nelda. Auntie Nelda. That's... Basically, put Jim Varney in drag and make him this kind of this. I guess, like, kind of smarmy grandma character who doesn't really abide by any rules but her own. Yeah, in a sense. Yeah. It's about it. She's a... Uh, Very posh, kind of uh, keeping up appearances, bouquet, not bucket character. Yeah, kind of an anti-joy character. Yeah, yeah. She's there to suck the fun out of things, which isn't great, seeing as there's so little fun in this thing in the first place. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then there's also Dr. Otto, who is this kind of, I guess, evil mad scientist type character. And who has the best uh, costume in this because it's from the movie. Yeah, it's literally just his costume from the movie. I don't know, it's, this is kind of ridiculous, over-the-top costume going on that 
it's kind of big and all lit up and fluffy well, and then he's also got you, a hand growing out of his head as well think if you combined the borg with huge crystalline shards right and then put a ha- and then put a uh, a hand on the top of the character's head right and it's pretty much that okay it's it's weird and it's interesting visually the and character himself is all right, I guess. Uh, generic Science. mad scientist. Yeah. Evil scientist. Yeah, same difference. No, because a mad scientist may be doing it for good reasons. Oh, that's true. Whereas an evil scientist is doing it for definitely evil reasons. <sighs> and the character is definitely evil. <sighs> so, I mean, there's the thread. I mean, we can go through the bare bones plots of each episode. In the first episode of weird kind of unidentified object... Uh, crash lands through Vern's ceiling and basically clonks Ernest on the head with it. He believes it to be a thing out of this old 50s public domain movie that happens to be on the TV at the same time. Now, here's the weird thing. Ernest keeps saying that it's fallen through his roof. Okay, maybe it's fallen through his roof. No, because it was definitely Vern's television. Well, whatever. <laughs> uh, there's a big timer on it and it's counting down from 25 minutes or whatever. And he's like, oh, we've got to... We've got to send it back before Earth blows up or whatever. Yeah, so he spends the entire episode coming up with slapstick ways of trying to get rid of it and it keeps coming back or his attempts keep failing. And in the end, the evil scientist from next door comes around and says, Ah, my machine! And the timer goes off and it turns out to be a toaster that produces the perfect burnt toast. Yeah. That's I mean, actually quite a good yeah, gag in Yeah, it's a pretty alright joke. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty good joke. Oh, another thing we forgot to mention, uh, also in in amongst the public domain clips that I was randomly tossed in, there's these fantastic little cut-in bits of these kids just saying random shit, just like, "Uh uh-oh, or laughing, or blowing raspberries, or whatever. Yeah, reacting. Yeah, it's bizarre, but I kind of really like it. (laughs) There's something I quite like about that just being in there. I mean, there's some. It's like anarchic Teletubby. Yeah. <laughs> reactions. Imagine if the son from Teletubbies was a little older and sassy. <laughs> in the second episode, uh, Ernest decides to throw a costume party uh, in the neighborhood, and Ernest can't decide what to go as, so he's setting up the party while trying to figure out who the fuck he wants to dress up as. Meanwhile, everyone else in the show, all the other skits, are also deciding what to dress up as at the same time, which is where that weird interconnected link comes from. Um, In the end, Ernest decides to dress up as this weird kind of cartoonish chicken, and as it turns out, so did everyone else. So there's this bizarre scene of this party happening of everyone in this chicken suit, and... Guess kind of acting like chicken. It's it's a very uncomfortable scene to be completely honest. It feels less like it's from a kids show and more like some from really bizarre kink show. Like I don't. <laughs> I was about to say, it's like some outsider's imagination of what furries are like. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> um, but after that, uh, the aunt files a noise complaint and Ernest is arrested. Yeah. And Ernest tries to get Vern to help him, like, escape from the cops, and Vern just sits there and shuts the fucking door on him, and it's beautiful. Yeah. Any time when Vern finally gets their own back on Ernest is the most 
beautiful, glorious thing. Vern doesn't get enough to do in this show. No, certainly not. Ernest is left to his own devices far too much. Thus, kind of fully enforcing that whole theory of this just basically being Vern trapped in the worst nightmare made by Ernest, who has control over everything. Yeah, it's definitely seeing your uh, your your view on that. Point. Yeah. What was the third one? Uh, hey, Vern, it's scary things. Basically, Ernest reads a ghost story, thinks the boogeyman is a is a real thing, and then proceeds to build multiple traps to try and catch the boogeyman, and go into dark places looking for the boogeyman uh, and getting scared and leaving, or getting stuck and not being able to move while being scared. To which Vern closes the door on him, <laughs> leaving him in the fucking cellar in the dark, <laughs> which is still a very good ending to that episode. Um, well, that's not how it ended. Well, yeah, that's It true. ended with him deciding, no, the boogeyman isn't real. Turning around which... and then finding the boogeyman, who then gets scared of Ernest. Yeah, and runs Rightfully off. Rightfully so, because <laughs> Ernest is fucking terrifying. You look up any image of Ver- Ernest and you'll just see him gawking back at you, and it's like, Jesus Christ. Ooh, yeah. And the fourth one we watched was, hey, Vern, it's movies. And he goes ahead and tries to make a home movie to enter a contest where he can win a... I believe it was a starring role in a Hollywood movie. Yeah. Which is yeah. a bizarre fucking contest, but I mean, you know. Well, I don't think it was a starring role. I think it was just a role in a Hollywood movie. <laughs> you walk on part of you... pedestrian number three. That's... <laughs> you You occasionally find competitions like that. Yeah. But uh, in the end, he makes a movie in which he fights the robot. And the robot wins the competition instead of him. Yeah. And becomes a major Hollywood producer. It's it's a simple enough gag. To be honest, I quite like the fact that the robot, which has the smiley face, every time we see we cut away from him and cut back to him, it's a different emoticon. Yeah, I do. I did like that touch. That was a very nice little. Yeah. Like attention that's... to detail, changing the like kind of his kind of feelings on something just through that sticker. Well, it was especially impressive in bits with less cuts, where it's just the camera is panning away from him and then quickly back. Because you know they've had to have some uh, runner or uh, props guy quickly snap off the old one and throw <laughs> the new one on before the camera can get back. Uh, I appreciated that uh, that that uh, level of detail. <laughs> Fun bits of uh, of low budget creativity, but um, to be honest, there's not enough low budget creativity going on in this thing. No, I mean it just. With better writing, this could have been really good. Yeah. Because I think the the character of Ernest is genuinely a pretty good character. I quite like the character of Ernest. He has charm. Yes. I mean, if you look back at the, uh, the original advertisement, you can see why he took off. Because Jim Varney just oozes charm. The character is supposed to be annoying, but he is also incredibly likeable. Mm-hmm. And for all his idiocy, he just comes across... This lovable goof. Yes, he's hugely charismatic. Mm -hmm. And this series just doesn't play enough to that. No, certainly not. Also, as a weird side note, um, when doing some research for the show, we saw a picture of just regular-ass Jim Varney, and Jesus Christ, he's handsome when he's not playing Ernest. What the hell? (laughs) This would be 1995. Yeah. Yeah. Five years before his death. Uh, he would have been 45 at the time, and good lord. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, Ernest, the character of Ernest does not do that man's face justice. Certainly not. 
I mean, hats off to him. He's got a wonderful rubber face about him. But... I mean, there's um, if you've listened to the um, How Did This Get Made episode of uh, Earliest Goes to Jail. Which, everyone... unfortunately, you can't listen to now because yes. it's trapped behind the paywall. Have to wait for it to randomly decide that Earliest Goes to Jail is outside of the paywall. Thanks, because... Earwolf. Thanks, Earwolf. So... Thanks, Stitcher Pro. <sighs> Anyway, regardless, um, June Diane Raphael says that the evil version of Jim Varney from that, uh, the evil version of uh, Ernest from that movie looks kind of hot. And I see it now. Yeah, there is a kind of rugged good looks that man had in the mid 90s mm-hmm. that the rubber faced Ernest didn't really um, allow for. Yeah. So, I think that's about all we can really say on this. Well,. How would we go about doing this in 2018? I wouldn't want to. With just, a, with I a, wouldn't want to, just to honour honor the life of Jim Varney. He's left behind a good legacy. I think to bring it back now would be to soil it. I mean, Son of Ernest was definitely something and that was on the slate. never happened. No, it didn't. I think that was mostly and just... And I think uh, that's for the best, because I genuinely don't think it would be good. I think that was mostly just John Cherry wanting to uh, get another piece of the pie. Probably. Although it kept saying the son of the creator, so it might have been Josh Cherry and everyone was confused. Either way, um, no, that thing didn't happen. Yeah, I just don't think it would work nowadays, in all honesty. Well, it also wouldn't work because, I mean, the way we watched it was we watched an episode, an episode, an episode, an episode. Does watching them in binge format, which is basically how anyone would watch them in modern age, kill the repeated joke format? Yes. It's been proven here. We got tired of it from the second episode. Well, we were tired of it in the first episode. Well, well no, sort we of. were baffled by it in the first episode and tired of it in the second episode. Yeah, it didn't work at all. I, I just don't think there is any way you could format this to work in 2018. No, I think you're right. I mean, unless you were to do an actual series of earnest things, but even then, how do you find someone as charismatic as Jim Varney who can do the character? Exactly. And it's, as I said, uh, it would just be kind of shitting on his legacy more yeah, than anything else. It wouldn't work. He's a well-loved character in America. Well, supposedly, he's a well-loved. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's he's, a lot of well-loved characters. He's that well-loved good, in but... the same way as Elf was last week. Yeah, basically. But the thing is, as an Elf comeback would work nowadays, I feel. Well, actually, yeah, because his his puppeteer is still alive. But I don't think you could do Elf without the original puppeteer either. Yeah, because well, the puppeteer was the voice. Yeah, the character is the. It's like with the soul. The soul of the character. The character and the the person who plays the character are one and the same. You cannot remove one from the other. Otherwise, it doesn't work anymore. And that, unfortunately, or I guess fortunately, is why we will not be submitting any uh, any recommendations to Netflix to make any more Haven. It's earnest. So where's this going on the uh, the old leaderboard, as it were? Low. Low? Low. Really? I mean, you have to go by the what would you rather watch more test. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, I'm also viewing it as how would this be received by the target demographic? And I think I... Haven Eternus would be received very highly. But you have to remember a lot of these would be received very highly by the target demographic. Mm. Kids were stupid enough to watch Super Duper Sumos. Yeah, I was. Thanks for rubbing it in. <laughs> um, 
I don't know. Because, I mean, like, it's a decent sketch show for kids. But it's not a decent sketch show for kids. Other sketch shows are not that much better. Um, well, what, I mean, what have you got to compare it with? Obviously, you've got Stupid. Um, the Stupid, Sorry I've Got No Head. What's the um, one for, that Good Burger's from? <laughs> All that. All that is far better regarded than uh, than this. I mean, sure, I guess, maybe. I mean... Does it hold up today? I mean, we don't know. It's not Nickelodeon Geeks, unfortunately. Uh, that's true. And also, there's like nine seasons of that fucking thing, so we wouldn't be able to tell. Well, that's another thing. That lasted for nine seasons. <laughs> seasons. This lasted for 13 episodes. Yeah, okay, fair point. You have a point. Okay, so... What kind of number range are you thinking? Well, I was looking at around 20. I don't think it's that bad. You don't think it's that bad? I okay. would rather watch this over Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, for example. They're pretty similar Here's the thing, here's the thing, mind. here's the thing. This show moves very fast to the point that my first really thought was unironically this show is good for kids with adhd and i agree with that testament because it kept me fucking engaged and i'm 90 percent sure i actually have adhd yeah. just undiagnosed <laughs> i was very much engaged with this show because it was constantly changing and i didn't know what the fuck was happening next i don't know what the fuck was happening to begin with but i mean that's beside the point so this kept me engaged in contrast to most of the other stuff in the lower end of the ranking list that we're seeing. I, on the other hand, was falling asleep in the second episode. Yeah, you can tell why one gets more done than the other. Anyway. Okay, so... Let's, what's... Okay, let's start high and make our way down. Okay. Would we rather want to watch this or Super Show? Ooh... Yeah, this is why I was saying it was going to be a difficult pick. Super Show is a good comparison. Because yes. the live-action segments of Super Show have also not aged well. Mm -hmm. Then again, I would say that the Super Show live segments are funnier than most of Haven and Eternus. True, but then there's the very slow, boring Mario cartoon. Yeah. What's directly below Super Show? Dinosaurs. I think I'd rather watch Dinosaurs. Yeah, I would as well. Heathcliff. Yeah, that's a difficult choice because I mean Heathcliff's good to riff on because yeah. it's just a mess. But this isn't even good to riff on. No, it's not. So it's words, <laughs> right? You Next see what up, I mean? Alf the animated series. Oh, Alf was definitely better than this. Yeah, it was. Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Uh... The thing is, Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling was nothing, but. It did have live action segments featuring the actual wrestlers themselves. Yeah, which and also the fact that Brad Garrett was fucking Hulk Hogan was possibly the funniest shit. <laughs> well, that was that was that was extremely amusing, and he was quite good in the role, to be honest. Yeah, but, okay, yeah. Um, underneath rock and wrestling is Slimer and the real Ghostbusters, which I don't think it's it's. I I think it's better than Slimer. You would def you would wa definitely watch it over Slimer. Yeah. Yes, for sure. I'm not sure if I would watch it over Rock and Wrestling. Yeah, I think I think that's a good place for it between Rock and Wrestling and Slimer. So, in at number nineteen, I wasn't far off. <laughs> hey Vern, it's Ernest. So I guess that's about just about it for this episode. Indeed, indeed. Thank goodness. 
If you enjoyed this episode, you can uh, subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play or through the RSS feed. You can tell your friends, your family, anyone you meet. Go down the stream, go, hey, do you like listening to podcasts? And you can you refer to them to the website, our website, which has all the podcasts and all the articles on it, mostlycobos.com. You go there and you've got a plethora of content, a plethora of content to feast on. And I say plethora, I just mean more podcasts like this yeah. and a smattering of articles. We have said repeatedly that we're going to try and fix this. It's not happening. Problems arise whenever we try. Hey, we now average an article every two weeks. We're getting there. We're getting there. But anyway, that's the end of this one. So what's next? Next week, we look at some truly, truly, truly outrageous business practices. Get the clock.